0: Welcome to the Disability Connection, I'm your host Svetlana Uyminkova. Uh, The Disability Connection is produced by the Disability Law Center. We are located in Boston at 11 Beacon Street. We are a statewide um, protection and advocacy system for the state of Massachusetts. We provide uh, legal services for individuals with disabilities. Uh, in disability-related issues in the area of employment, special education, housing, benefits, as well as human rights issues in facilities. You can learn more about us online at www.dlc-ma.org and by telephone at 617-723-8455 or toll-free 800-872-9992. Please like us on uh, Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Today, uh, it's a pleasure to welcome one of our guests, Evan George, uh, who is an emergency preparedness coordinator at the Massachusetts Office on Disability. Thank you, Evan.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Um, Could you briefly discuss uh, what is it that you do as an emergency preparedness coordinator?
1: Yes, absolutely. So thank you again, Lana, for having me on today. So what I do on behalf of the Department of Homeland Security, along with the Massachusetts Office on Disability, is I travel around to every city and town in Massachusetts, as all 351, as many as I can fit into a week, to put on training to the general public and first responders about the unique needs that people with disabilities have as it pertains to disaster preparedness.
0: Wow. So I I guess we all know the general idea of emergency preparedness. How does that relate to uh, individuals with disabilities or individuals requiring additional assistance?
1: So this training comes out of Hurricane Katrina. So back in 2005, Hurricane Katrina completely devastated the city of New Orleans, resulting in about 1,800 deaths. Mm -hmm. An after-action report of that incident found that half of those deaths, roughly 900 people, fell into two categories. The first were senior citizens, and the second were people with disabilities, or what we refer to as people who require additional assistance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in part, looking at that, what they found was that at the local, state, and federal level, the planning for the unique needs that people with disabilities have was inadequate. And mm-hmm. on top of that, at the individual preparedness level, individuals themselves were not prepared at any moment's uh, evacuation notice.
0: So you are trying to address both aspects with an emphasis on what individuals could do to prepare.
1: Absolutely, this uh, training is, um, foremost for the general population so that they are individually prepared, but we also go into what to expect at a local planning level.
0: Right. So, well, let's start with a most simple question. Uh, where would a person with disability call uh, other than 911 in case of an emergency? And are all emergencies the same, man-made versus natural?
1: So I'll answer that uh, second part of your question first. Okay. So there's hypothetically 500 different disasters that you could face at a given moment, whether that's man-made or natural disaster. But ultimately, the uh, state's going to ask you to do one of two things. It's either going to be to evacuate, get out of a certain area, or head towards a certain location Mm -hmm. or stay in place, meaning do not go outside, stay exactly where you are. So while the disasters could be numerous, what you need to have planned to do is those two situations.
0: So how would you know when you should stay in place versus evacuate?
1: So uh, that's a great question. Um, most of preparedness comes to communication. How are you getting the information that you need to know? So at the state and local level, mm-hmm. we focus on programs like Reverse 911, where the government will go through your landline, your cell phones. We're trying to update them for email, you receive mm-hmm. a television broadcast, radio for them to communicate. But also there's a lot of free services that exist that as citizens we can have at a mm-hmm. moment's LOTUS. M- mostly the Massachusetts Alert app, I okay. highly encourage everyone watching at home, take out your cell phone to download the Massachusetts Alert app and what this does is it uses the GPS on your phone to track where you are so it knows if you're in an at-risk situation.
0: Wow, that sounds fantastic. Now in terms of first responders, uh, does this make sense to let the first responders in your area know that you have special needs? Uh, What is the best way to do so?
1: That's a great question. Something else that came out of Hurricane Katrina was that people who required, we'll say, mobility assistance, they were not able to get to the shelters. And even if we had, we'll say, the transportation capacity of getting those vehicles to people, we still need to know who actually needs assistance. Mm -hmm. So what we advocate is something called the Disability Indicator Program. If you would just Google that phrase, Disability Indicator Program, you should be able to find a form. or you can contact the MOD office. And what this form allows you to do is to disclose to your local first responders that you are somebody who might need additional assistance. That way they will have your information ready to go should there be a disaster.
0: So uh, we're talking about people with visual impairments, hearing impairments, people requiring extra mobility assistance. What about service animals or personal care Mm assistance?
1: So service animals is a great question. Um, A lot of confusion also came out of Hurricane Katrina in terms of are you allowed to bring pets? Are you allowed to bring service animals to shelters? So just to clear that confusion up, at any shelter at the Mm -hmm. state level, you are allowed to bring service animals and they will make those accommodations.
0: Okay, absolutely. So, Those registries or those information, the information you provide, Mm is it voluntary? I'm assuming it's on a voluntary basis to the extent that you feel comfortable doing so.
1: Yes, absolutely. So these registries are 100% volunteer-based. It's against the law for us at a local level to, say, create a list of people. However, for everyone's individual safety, I highly recommend that you do voluntarily disclose that. And this is not just for a local emergency or disaster, but this is also for your first responders to know. So if you are somebody who is, will say deaf or hard of hearing and you mm-hmm. call 911, the 911 operator will be able to see uh, what that dis- disability is and be able to communicate your accommodations to the first responders.
0: Okay. Now, what about people who have limited capacity to speak English for whatever reason, whether this is intellectual disability or just linguistically?
1: Sorry, that was a wrong time step. <laughs> so, um, so fortunately, we are co- um, continually updating um, our Mercy preparedness to match with existing technology to make this as accommodating as possible. Mm-hmm. The number one simplistic um, way of communicating, if you need information, is to call two one one. We're all familiar with nine one one if you need firefighters, ambulance, or police. Mm-hmm. But two one one is the phone number to dial if you ever need information during an emergency itself. It's staffed by NEMA, the Massachusetts Emergency Management Agency, and they'll be there to be able to address your calls.
0: Wonderful, that's really helpful. Where's the price of admission today, <laughs> this piece of information? Now, uh, are there any specific concerns for folks who live in group homes, nursing facilities, where they're not necessarily in charge in how to prepare for emergencies?
1: So there is, and most of the trainings that I put on take place in elderly homes, a group assistant living homes, just because they do have such an additional need. And so what we do is, with those um, facilities, is make sure that they have a local emergency plan, that they are also keeping a voluntary, register, so that they're able to communicate to first responders, oh, well, we know somebody in 5B is in a wheelchair, we need Mm -hmm. to have X, Y, and Z accommodation.
0: Okay, okay. Now, are there any places where would you recommend uh, people gather in terms of being accessible to services, or are there any places that should be avoided in cases of emergencies for those who are not as prepared as they would like to be?
1: So that's a very difficult uh, question to answer, mostly because we don't know what the disaster is going to be. Mm -hmm. So here, especially here in Boston or if you're watching at home, every single city and town in Massachusetts has a local emergency manager and a local emergency plan. We don't make those plans public for two reasons. One is out of safety. After 9-11, we wanted to make sure that we're keeping some confidential materials about where large groups of people be, kind of Mm -hmm. um, a little bit secluded. But second is we actually don't know where your local shelter will be, depending on the emergency. If I were to tell you, oh, just head to your local high school, however, Mm -hmm. if you were facing a hurricane, heading in that direction, that's now no longer where we'd want you to go. So that's why staying up-to-date communication in the moment is the most important thing.
0: So, reaching out, let's say, by using 211 Mm -hmm. would be a good way to find out where to go. Absolutely. Okay. Now, I know you brought something interesting for us today, which is a go bag and I keep on asking questions (laughs) when you have some water. So please explain to us, what is a go bag and where are we going?
1: Yes, all right, so if you are ever in a situation where you need to evacuate or shelter in place, you need two things. One is information. You need to have all of your personal information written down. I'm sure you're familiar with the Merrimack uh, Valley gas leaks which happened, and these are people who were not allowed back in their homes for three to four months. Mm -hmm. So you need to kind of think of what information do you need to have on hand, not just counting on your memory because these are heavily traumatic events, it's very high to recall information when you're going through this. But having information written down that you'll be able to access to help you. The second is the actual equipment itself. So um, are you also familiar with the wildfires out in California? Yeah. So there was an individual who got that alert, and he kind of tweeted out, I just got the alert to evacuate. I panicked. All I grabbed was my Tom Brady jersey, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. was a little comical. However, afterwards, that same individual reached out and said, I just spent 24 hours on a highway. I really wish I had some food or water with me. Well, the jersey was important, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Tom, Tom Brady appreciated it, I'm sure, maybe gave him some motivation. Right. But what you need to envision is that you're in a situation for 24 to 72 hours where you have to deal with the equipment that you have. Yeah. In yeah. survival training, there's something called the rule of four. Mm-hmm. So every four minutes, you have to breathe. Every four hours, we need shelter, clothing, protection from the environment. Every four days, you need water. Every four weeks, you need food. It's not exactly 100%, depending on your body type and your environment, you can go a little bit longer, a little bit less. But what is in this uh, bag here is everything that you would need for at least one to three days, Mm -hmm. except for food. So we used to keep canned goods in this bag as well. However, what we found was that after the trainings, the bags were so physically heavy that some people had difficulty carrying them. So on top of what I'm about to show you in this bag, I highly recommend that people have food, canned goods, which have Mm -hmm. just a long shelf life, but also some power bars, candy bars, whatever it is you want, and imagining you are on a uh, 93 North for 20 hours just to make sure that you can get um, through where you are to where you need to be.
0: Yeah, and I would imagine something that keeps well, like people always think of chocolate, but chocolate bars would melt yes. if you are in you know, a fire, let's say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why don't we have a look inside? Absolutely.
1: So, the, as I said before, the number one item that you should be adding is food. However, what we do have in terms of your basic needs is water. Mm-hmm. So these um, kits here come with two packets of highly condensed, purified drinking water. And what they recommend is two packets per day per person, which means that if you have one of these bags, you'd be good for about three to four people for two to three days. Okay. And now everyone uh, watching here at home drinks more water than just the two packets. But again, these are highly purified, and this will just, trying to imagine that you are um, without water for 48 hours, this will get you through it. Right. And also, this has a much longer shelf life. The bottles of water that we all drink will last roughly nine months to a year. These are good for five years. Okay. Okay.
0: So you have to, it's nice to have some kind of a diary or tickler to know that this is the time to change whatever I have in my to-go bag. It's not something that you set up and leave it be for the foreseeable future. What I
1: recommend is uh, once a year to go through some of the material. If you haven't used it yet, maybe you can use it there. We'll say for the bandages, for example, and Mm -hmm. then just to restock it on a yearly basis. But the water, you'll be good for five years.
0: Let's
1: see, some other items we have here. As I just just said before, we have a basic first aid kit. So again, this is just to make sure that you're cutting down on infections. We have a series of packets of tissues. These are heavily traumatic events. However, if you're trying to imagine you're on 93 North for 24 hours, if you ever have to pull over and use the restroom, you'll be covered. We have... Two um, emergency blankets. If you Mm -hmm. ever watch the uh, Boston Marathon, and you see after they run, they cover people in the blankets. This is what this material is made out of. It uh, keeps in 100% of the heat. It's also highly reflective, so first responders would be able to locate you. Mm -hmm. Also has a nice red fanny pack. And so when people are in shelters, you'll be around a lot of people that you're unfamiliar with that you've never met, and some people get a little anxious. They don't want to leave their belongings. Having this on you, you can have your Um, personal identification, money, all of that, maybe go for a walk, help stretch your legs.
0: Yeah, and for individuals with disabilities, I would imagine, let's say if you're a diabetic, it would Mm -hmm. be a good idea to have all the necessary medications that you need.
1: Absolutely. So that
0: you are never away from what you absolutely require.
1: Absolutely, this would be a great way to store that. Along with the emergency blankets, we have um, packets of hand warmers, just because mm-hmm. again, we are here in New-, New England, so we wanted to adjust this kit in terms of right. you ever, will say, snowed in for two days and you needed to warm yourself up. Yeah. The number one injury where it comes to people when they're asked to shelter in place is when they cut their hands opening those cans they brought two years ago Mm. or finally about to use. So we have a nice metal can opener here with a safeguard which allows you to open those, again, making sure you don't hurt yourself. Along with the emergency blankets, we also have two ponchos are in this bag. And again, we try to make it nice and bright, highly reflective. We also tell people that if you, you know, attend that training, you go Mm -hmm. home with this kit. If you use this poncho, it's incredibly difficult to fold it and you put it right back. So Mm -hmm. we tell people these are kind of single-use items. Use them at your discretion, but make sure that you're always restocking. Along with that, we also have a large variety of hygiene um, Mm -hmm. material. Mm -hmm. So this is, again, to try to cut down on infections where it comes to shelters. But also, everyone here and everyone watching at home, when you woke up this morning, you went through your daily routine. And what that does is incredible benefits for your physiological health. So if you imagine you're already in a destabilizing event, you're going through a little trauma, you're in a shelter, we want people to keep going through your morning routine because that does have incredible benefits for your mental and physical well-being. We also have uh, two feminine hygiene pads. They Mm -hmm. have their initial use, but if you were to look at the bandages that we have here, this is actually probably the largest bandage in this kit. Mm -hmm. So if you Mm -hmm. ever do have a large wound, that would be the way to cover it up. Focusing also on communication, uh, we have this nice uh, bright glow stick, little piece of plastic, you crack it, it's good for about uh, 12 hours of light. There's also a whistle so you can make some noise trying to signal a first responder. A little cool insider's tip, if you take the rope from the whistle, there's a lanyard here, you tie it together and you spin it, it makes it visible probably up to a mile to try to, if you ever say in a car accident late at night, this would be a way to go signaling people. And probably the best value for the kit, and the last item that I like to share, Mm -hmm. is this uh, four-in-one hand crank radio. So, we used to give out the big flashlights with the batteries, but what we found was three or four years after the training, when people actually needed it, they weren't able to use it. So, this does not use batteries, it just uses a little hand crank. one minute of spinning gives you 10 minutes of power. So it's not only a flashlight, a radio, so you can figure out what's going on, a noisemaker. The best part about this is that it's also a cell phone charger. So Mm. if you ever, again, we'll say stuck in your car for two days, you can plug this in, give it some good turns, especially if you have a smartphone, because they do require a lot of power. But you should be able to generate enough energy to send out a call for help.
0: Right. Well, depending on your disability, um, I would imagine you would want to have something extra in terms of the charging power Mm -hmm. if you have a mobility impairment or upper body impairment. You may not be able to use something like that. Mm -hmm. So what would you recommend?
1: so I definitely I'll recommend you know this is a good starting kit this is a good ground level and now what we need to do is then tailor this to your individual needs so right. you have to imagine going off of the information that I provided and what you would receive from the training okay how do I now use this to make my specific accommodation and that is something that I'm always here for the master's office on disability to help out with
0: right so where would one get such a great bag
1: <laughs> so this specific bag is made specifically for the Massachusetts office on disability it's a part of um, the training which I provide throughout the state however if 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 you were to ever go online and you just type in emergency go kits, you will find similar kits with similar items.
0: Okay, so you can get those kits and at the same time you can get a list of items. That you may customize however you like.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now another question that comes up frequently uh, and something that we don't think about in advance is how do you find your loved ones? It's especially important for individuals with disabilities if they do get separated from their family or if they have no family. What is your recommendation in terms of contacts? Mm
1: -hmm. So actually before the disaster strikes, the most important thing is preparedness. So what you would want to do is make sure that you have a plan in place with your family, your loved ones, so that if there is a situation, if you do find yourself split apart, that this will be the next steps. And that's why one of the things we always recommend is that you have an emergency contact Mm -hmm. that is away from your area. We try to have three emergency contacts, two close to you, mm-hmm. but one person that you know, if there's ever, will say, a blizzard, a blizzard here in Boston, this person is out in South Carolina, and that can now be your hub. So hopefully, hopefully, if you have this plan in place, your loved ones will know, okay, I'm gonna call Aunt Karen out in South Carolina, because she's safe, and now she can relay the information of where we are to each other.
0: Okay, well, how about then mitigations? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to have a list of your meds, if not the meds themselves, mm-hmm. and how would you seek you know, emergency help if you're on the road. Mm
1: -hmm. So um, that's a fantastic point. So you want to do both of those things simultaneously. You want to try to keep a reserve supply of medication. I know that's a little bit difficult for some of us, depending on your pharmacy prescription, but making sure that you have your medication in the same spot that you always put it and that this is part of your list so that if you ever do need to evacuate, you grab your medicine. Second to that is you need to make sure you have all of your medication listed out. Mm -hmm. So as part of the uh, training, we also go through, as I said before, that information that you need to have written down. Because even right now, I can't pronounce all the medication I take, I don't have the milligrams memorized, but imagining you were part of that Merrimack Valley gas leak where you're not allowed to go back in your house for uh, three to four months, having that information written down will be able to help you get it going forward.
0: Right, and I would imagine having basic contacts written down because Mm -hmm. by now, if you ask me a phone number for even my relatives, it's all in my cell phone. Mm -hmm. So if the cell phone doesn't work, I practically yep. am <laughs> not in touch. Now, based on your experience and uh, the training that you're doing, what do you think is the most important piece of information that people are missing usually when they think about emergency preparedness?
1: Um, two things. One is a little meta, and this is to say that this can happen to you. What we're kind of exposed to where it comes to all these emergencies is it's something that we watch on the nightly news, and you have it more as a visceral experience, not Mm -hmm. something that you think you're going to go through. But what we know is that in Massachusetts, we have an aging infrastructure. We know that the storms are going to be increasing in intensity and their frequency. So this is something that you need to spend uh, some mental thought to taking seriously to actually have that plan in place. Second, a little bit more concrete, is communication in the moment. So mm-hmm. as i said before there's 500 um, hypothetical disasters that could happen knowing how to get that communication so that's downloading the massachusetts alert app that i mentioned earlier but also knowing you can always call 211 cuz as i'm sure we all know right. during a large event 911 that's what everyone knows Everybody and that calls. gets flooded 211 yeah. can help provide you the information that you need during a uh, disaster uh,
0: and what about personal care assistance uh, when um, authorities are planning for assistance to people with disabilities, is that taken into account that frequently you would have to care or provide care not just to one person but perhaps to do or more.
1: So it absolutely is. And this is why we spend a lot of time working um, with people who will require additional assistance, is to make sure that their personal care assistance is part of the plan. Now, this is obviously something that in the moment, because we don't know the intensity of this disaster, what will happen going forward. But what we try to do is to make sure that the personal care assistance will be part of any emergency plan that we make.
0: Right, right. So where do people have to start, people with disabilities? Who don't have help, who are kind of struggling with how to prepare, are there any specific community resources where they can go to or to your office? Uh, If I'm at home and I'm not sure where to begin, what's the best plan?
1: So the best plan would be to first reach out to the Massachusetts Office on Disability. We are the state agency, uh, started in the early 1980s to make sure the full and equal participation of people with disabilities in everyday life. So if you ever have any questions, you would go through our client services. If it's specific to emergency preparedness, they would forward you to me.
0: Okay, and you have, what is the contact information that they, they can reach you? What's the secret phone number?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the best way to contacting me is through email, because I am on the road a lot. Um, giving these trainings, and that is just evan.george at mass.gov.
0: And in terms of a larger picture, uh, in your opinion, what are the best ways to collaborate between organizations, institutions, to make sure that things are running smoothly if there's a mass evacuation or a large-scale emergency disaster?
1: So, fortunately, here in Massachusetts, we do have a lot of resources. As I said before, every city and town, no matter how rural or remote you may be, will have a local emergency manager. If you can always right now Google local emergency manager for your hometown and figure out who this individual is, this might be your fire chief, it might be a designated position. So, if you do want to get more involved, if you have more questions as it pertains to your local area, I highly recommend you um, contact that individual.
0: Okay, well, thank you so much. It's been extremely helpful Mm -hmm. and hopefully useful for our viewers viewers, and thank you for joining us. This show is available on YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook, and Twitter pages. Uh, It is also a podcast that you can uh, access on iTunes, or you can just go to our website, which is www.dlc-ma.org. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.